Here's the deal with my papa. Hello and welcome everyone to Here's the Deal. I'm Jeff Adair here with the man who we're about to get the deal from is Danny Sitters. Danny, how you doing today? Good afternoon. I'm well, raring to go today. Oh, good, good. Because any sermon that starts off with a reading of John 1 grabs my attention. So thank you for that this past Sunday. I really appreciate that. Uh, so real quick, why did you want us to focus on what and or how Jesus preached? So again, just in kind of a summary statement or two, just backing up and taking a look at um, Jesus from uh, uh, a view above, right? An overall view of what he taught, stories he told, you know, the parables, his sermons, how he dealt with people, the miracles. We're going we're gonna to deal with that. But doing it kind of rapid fire, rapid fire, and, and, and kind of stacking them on top of each other, giving us maybe a a clearer picture of what Jesus was about. And as as I've been doing this, I'm, 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 I'm sensing some common themes that come out that Uh-oh. have sort of changed the way that uh, I'm viewing Jesus. Okay. So again, growing up, you know, as a preacher's kid, and I got the, you know, we had the elementary curriculum in little kids' Bible class, and we had the picture of Jesus, and he's carrying the lamb, and oh, he's, yes. you know, handing out lollipops. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I exaggerate. <laughs> um, you get this mental picture of Jesus yeah. that he's a, he's your friend, and he is. He's a good guy. He loves you. Yeah. Well, you start looking at the things that he said and did and taught and how he he treated some some of the religious folk. You sort of get a different picture that Jesus is pretty direct. Yeah. Again, he has our absolute best intentions. He has the the, the greatest life that could be offered. You know, abundant life. Um, but the challenge for all of us is how do we get there? So anyway, having said all of that, so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, mm. right? So this Word, well, that is kind of the business that God has been in from the beginning. In the beginning, God created, and He said, yes. let there be life. So that's God's Word. And, and so God speaks a word and things happen. And so then God comes to Abram and calls him and says, you're going to have the largest family ever in the history of the world, more than the stars and the grains of sand, you know, on the beach. And, and, and that all happened because God spoke. And so then God speaks to Moses through the burning bush, set my people free. And by the way, Moses goes to Pharaoh with a word from oh, God. Yeah. And so just setting up that idea, then then the Word uh, in John 1 becomes flesh, and now we have the Word of God, right? The incarnation, which is Jesus Christ, we have God's Word speaking to us, you know, from the flesh, in the flesh, to the flesh. Moving in the neighborhood. Yeah. So, so what, did, what did God say to us through Jesus? Hmm. So I want to take a look at what might be official sermons. Now, we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, right? That's like three chapters. It would have taken all day to go through that. But yeah. I might mention that in a moment. But just um, kind of landed in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus goes back to Nazareth 
and he's in the synagogue and he stands up to preach, right? You think, man, what a great scene that must have been. The Son of God, God preaching a sermon. Now that's fascinating to me as a preacher. Right, right. Here is God preaching a sermon. Why haven't I taken more notes on this? Why haven't I thought it, thought it through, you know, more than I have? So anyway, that's where we that's where we spent most of our time Sunday was in Luke four. It's like verses one, uh, no, it's verse fourteen to thirty. Okay, um, Jesus preaching the sermon in Nazareth, and the people are just. Uh, I wouldn't say they're on the edge of their seat. They're, they're on the edge of their seat, bending over to pick up rocks to throw at him. Right, yeah. So they're getting ready to get out of their seat to go kill him. So, so you know, we're listening for God's word. Um, you know, we're thinking, it made me think of Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, where uh, he talks about uh, his word never comes back void. So it completes its purpose when he speaks. Good verse, yes. Um, so if you could, when Jesus is there in the in the synagogue and he's getting ready to read, could you Give us a quick, uh, typical synagogue service of what would happen and why Jesus would stand up and read from this right. this scripture. So, and it varied from place to place, but in general, you would have um, you would have readings from the Pentateuch, you know, the first five books of the Old Testament or the Law, and you'd you'd right. read, and you would have prayers in between, and and then you would have um, readings from the uh, the prophets. And, and this is where Jesus comes in, kind of in the middle, and they open the scroll, and it's Isaiah. Hmm. And so um, they hand it to him, here you go. So it's kind of a, in, in some regard, it was kind of an impromptu sermon. Right. Right? They hand you the scroll, you know, it'd be like, hey, here's Romans 8, go. <laughs> wow, hey, man. <laughs> read, yeah, read it to us and, 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 and take off. And then you might have some, some readings from the minor prophets. But it was that middle section that, um, typically, you got your your sermon from. Okay. So, yeah. D- did you have another question for me to keep going? No, I was saying, no. That's, I was just trying to get out whatever what, uh, what uh, people would get their minds what they were to be looking at because I'm sure it's pretty pretty different than than ours. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, so. it, it would be. And then he reads the scripture and um, he closes it and then he says it's been fulfilled. And so I can only imagine that there were gasps. And not they're like they're not like oh awesome that's sweet I'm glad he's here so but I could just imagine that so are there any texts as a preacher that you stay away from and why is it Judges 19 and Ezekiel (laughs) and Ezekiel (laughs) yeah both yeah so yeah. Uh, the only time I have ever preached through Ezekiel is when our deacon of education back in Oklahoma said, "Look, we want to do we want to do a sermon series and a class series from adult all the way down to children," and he picked Ezekiel. And oh, I'm wow. like, "Oh my!" So, I've I've preached a series on Ezekiel. <laughs> I still don't know what it means. I yeah. don't know what I said. I, I know that our kids were scratching their head going home, telling their parents some of these stories from Ezekiel, but. <laughs> So I, I have at least um, addressed that or preached on Ezekiel, That's but good. yeah, Judges nineteen. Let let the let the audience at home first of all wrestle with that text, yes. and then and then you you guys come and do the podcast. And oh yeah, definitely that'd be a good <laughs> one. Tell us what that means. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, there are texts, by the way, that we don't we don't know what to do with. So, yeah. When you say that, I mean, the first thought is Paul talking about baptisms for the dead. Right. I haven't preached a sermon on that yet. You know, yeah. I baptize you now in the name of the dead i, I just haven't found <laughs> I, I haven't found the right situation for that yeah so yeah there are all kinds of texts 
But so what Jesus Jesus has this text from Isaiah, which again is referred to as a messianic text, and in particular that when Messiah comes, it will be, you know, the, the spirit of the Lord will be on him. So God will be on this the, the Messiah, and 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 people will um, he'll preach the good news, proclaim freedom to prisoners, sight mm. for the blind. Right. And, and, and to release the oppressed, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord, which in all probability is the year of Jubilee. Every mm. 49, 50 years, all debt were canceled right. and all land goes back to the original owner. And you get to start from 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 zero again. You start Everything gets started. It's like a Monopoly game. You get to wipe say, the board yeah. clean and you don't have to pay. You know, park place motel prices. You know, right. it all goes back, and so it's a it's a messianic text, and so again, now, so here's part of it. Jesus reads this text, and then goes and sits down. Right, silence. And the biblical mic drop. Yeah, he's just silence, and and so I assume they're expecting him to say a few words, and I just I just have to imagine now, looking at Jesus. I think he must have sat there with a smile on his face. Probably did. Just letting the tension build up, and then he says, "Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." So now, get the context. Here's what Jesus said in our turn. Messiah's here. This is about me. Here I am. I'm right here. Here I am. Yeah. Right, and so. Why wouldn't the, the the audience who who have they've been they've been looking for God's word right right for four hundred years since the end of the prophets there were no more prophets going around speaking God's word they longed for it now here comes the Son of God Jesus and says here it is here I am and they got questions yeah they don't they don't really like this right so. You know, just just to kind of go ahead and and and, and tell the, the story, um, Jesus kind of knew what they were thinking. That's why I think he's smiling. I think he's smiling at this. Yeah. And so then um, they they wonder. Oh, wait a minute. They're, some are amazed, but then they say, "Now, isn't this Joseph's boy?" Right. Well, that's a that's a um, that's a question within a question again. Yeah. In other words, this this isn't Messiah. That's Joseph's boy. We know him, a carpenter. Right? Right? I call him the, the two by four guy. Yeah. That's the family that lived down by the by the water with chickens running in the front. Oh, come on, really? I think Jesus is still smiling. Um, and then he 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 knows what they're thinking. By the way, anytime Jesus knows what you're thinking in mm. in these gospel stories, <laughs> oh boy, you're in trouble. Yes, he, he knows what you're thinking. <laughs> And he's going to confront you on it. Yeah. He's not going to let you sit in silence and walk out of there. He is going to confront you and I uh, with, with the situation. And, and so he said, oh, so what are you going to say? Physician, heal yourself? In other words, not only do you not have the family credentials, um, you, you don't have the societal... Street creds. Street cred, yeah. educational credit. You don't have any of that. Um, so again, I I think he he forces the issue. He's he's pressing he's he's pressing people, um, and then he said, "Look, I get it. A prophet doesn't have any honor in his hometown. 
Right. I could I could go over somewhere else and I could get some people would, you know, at least give me a little bit of credit. You guys aren't. I get it. You know, family, people that know you. And um, so it, it is Jesus's sermon, but it's more about, how could we say it, stirring up the people in the audience as much as it is about his words. Okay, yeah. So just ask the question in general. How many times do I have to get agitated, stirred up, angry, frustrated, ready to pick up a rock and throw it before I allow the truth to sink in and, and change my life? Yeah. That's the way we are. Right. That's the way I am. The first time I hear something new, I'm like, there's no way. Please, give me a break. Right. You know, where'd you go to school? You yeah. know, something like that. that that's, that's the way you are. That, that is exactly um, what they were doing. But here's, the, here's where the sermon uh, gets white hot. They're, they're yakking. They're questioning. They don't believe him. Jesus is not going to let them off the hook. So he says, hey, let me... Uh, I did the old Columbo. One, one other thing here. Let me let me see if I got this right. Um, Elijah and Elisha in your in your Hebrew Bible, when things were tough, when there were a lot of widows, um, the one widow that um, Elijah went to was a um, was a Gentile woman. Hmm. There were a lot of folks that suffered with the disease, but the the only one that uh, Elisha went to was a uh, Naaman, a Syrian, a Gentile. And he, he leaves it at that. But they get what he's saying. We don't get what he's saying. Yeah. He's saying, here is my, I'm, I'm Messiah. Um, um, and you know what? If you're not going to accept it, God will move on from you so fast. His mercy and his love and his grace will move on to another group of people that will accept it. He's go. done it in the past. It's in your, it's in your scripture. Yeah. He, he'll do it again. Right. So this idea of Messiah, the, the Messiah to the Gentiles, for them was like you 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 got to be kidding. You have lost your mind. But but more than that, it angered them. But so what's fascinating to me um, uh, about Jesus is in, in this sermon, he doesn't let them off the hook. So often I wonder, you know, I I think as I put together sermon, well, you know, you. You, you want to have sections where you hit people with truth and you kind of wake them up and you might agitate them, but then let them off the hook and tell a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't life fun? Jesus, he doesn't do this. He doesn't do it. He just keeps pushing the pedal all the way down until they were ready to kill him. Mm. Wow. Man, you talk about tough. Yeah. But he's he's here to speak the truth. They didn't want to hear the truth. So yeah, it's still true today. It, we want to hear truth that aligns with our already preconceived ideas about what truth is. Oh. Mm. And if it goes against the grain, I got issues with it. Yeah. So and and always the case. And and watch. We all have to watch ourselves when we hear the truth. How often are we ready to shoot the messenger? Who's just bringing the truth? Right. right. I, 
And I got to tell you, so I, I, I catch myself when I'm dealing with a store clerk or a waitress or a, a, a waiter in a restaurant and things aren't going right, right? And I just want to, what is wrong with you? You know, the, the food came out cold or whatever. And, and I think to myself, I'm learning, I'm learning. <laughs> It's not their deal. It's not their issue. They're just a low person on the totem pole. They're not creating, you know, protocol or policy for this whole company or how things are done. Right. Right. But but we want to. We're quick to want to fire at the messenger. Yeah. Because truth comes. Um, truth comes like a Mike Tyson uppercut. Oof. Yeah. It's painful. It hurts. But it is. It is the way to life and joy and peace and growth and overcoming and spiritual maturity is through truth. That's true. You know, it's always it's funny because they want Jesus to do like a magic trick or more or less. Like, hey, I want you guys to do something. I want you to do something cool first before we accept your truth. Yeah, give me some proof. Yeah, I want some proof. Um, you know, I love what you said um, Jesus loves the truth as much as he loves you. I yeah. love that. Yeah, he, he does. He, he, he loves truth and he loves you and I. Those two have to go hand in hand. Yeah. He, he loves us so much he's going to tell us the truth. That's a great thing to say. But will I accept it? Right. Jesus, Jesus is truth. Mm-hmm. Jesus is love. And so what he speaks is again in, in our own in our own best interest in, in how we can grow and develop and become more like Jesus. There is stuff we've got to let go of, sin that needs to be confessed, you know, habits that have to be changed, relationships, all that all that in, in life that, that we that we kind of know about that, that have to be adjusted and changed. And, and Jesus is standing there. I, I, I see Jesus standing there, again, with us smiling. Our biggest cheerleader saying, come on, go ahead. Yeah, you can do it. You got it. But he's not, he's not going to say, oh, it's okay. He's not going to say, oh, hey, everybody's like that. Don't, don't worry about it. No, you worry about it. Let's, let's go. You yeah. can do it. Right. Yay, team, you can do it. You know, um, Way to go, Jeff. I know you can, but I'm not leaving until you do. Right. So you're still running those hills. Yeah, this just makes me think about when you say coach and, and everything else. <laughs> just you, he never sugarcoated the truth to make it easier uh, to swallow for his listeners. When well, you said that in your sermon too, I love that. I was curious um, if Jesus wrote a book about church growth, what would it be called, and why would it be called? You didn't listen the first time, so here's part two. <laughs> it might be called that. <laughs> you didn't listen the first time. <laughs> Um, by the way, hold on to that question okay. because you, you mentioned coach. We, we talked about this in my office a minute ago. Jesus is a lot like a coach. I, I think there's some similarity. So the coach assembles the, the football team in July. It's, it's, it's 100 degrees oh. outside, right? And, and they, the first thing the coach talks about is state championship. And we got the team to do it. And I want you to picture yourself holding the trophy and celebrating. And all the fans are just adoring you and patting you on the back. And you get your picture in the paper. And, you know, you, you'll get a, a, a plaque on the wall of the school that'll be there forever. And you can bring your grandchildren back and, right. you know, see it. And um, that, that's that's it. That's, what, that's, that, that's possible. We're going to do it. Right. 
and they all get excited about it, right? So we might think of eternity, salvation, abundant life. That's what Jesus said. Look, it's here. Here yeah. it is. Huh? Yay! Then Coach says, all right, um, so here's what we're going to do today, team. we got to, we got to get ready for the state championship. Uh, today we're going to eat ice cream, and we're going to play some video games, and we're going to sit in front of the air conditioner while we do it. And then tomorrow we'll show up. Let's not come in early. Let's let's say ten thirty. Let's sleep in. I know I know you guys are tired, and and um, you know we'll watch some movies, some some army movies, watch a little film. Well, I like, like that game film. Yeah, right. no coach in there. No, no, no coach would last more than even one year yeah. with that mentality. Right, coach is going to say, "All right, here we go. Ready, state championship. You guys can do it on the line." Right, coach. Wait a minute. It's hot out there. It doesn't matter. Right. I'm, I'm, it's hot, it's sweating, you know, let's, let's just tell the truth. Two a days, a lot of teams back in the day had throw-up buckets. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Why? Because you get so hot and sweaty and you're out of shape that you go over there and throw up and then coach, hey, all right, get back in line. Yeah. Well, get back in line. Come on, coach. I'm just, you know, I lost it. I'm sorry. Right. Let's go. Because coach knows that's the only way that we're ever going to achieve the dream right i think there's so many similarities so I, that comment that i made about um jesus and church growth and, and writing a book on it is um later on i believe it's in john 6 where um you know he's got these large crowds growing and, oh, yes. and uh, they're following him and you think man that's jesus way to go you, you should write a book on and Jesus sort of looks behind and goes, well, I'll fix this. <laughs> if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, then you need to hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter, your dogs, your cats, right? your, your favorite TV star. you got to hate them all. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, Jesus, what are, you, what are we talking about? I thought love is the greatest thing. You yeah. know? And um, he's, he shocked them. And, and I'm sure many people said he, he really is out of his mind. I'm not sure. We're not going to follow him. But then later on, he comes back and he says, look, if you're, if you're going to follow me, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah. I mean, just, whoa. Now, again, we're quick to spiritualize that into the Lord's Supper. Think about it. They didn't. No. They didn't know what he was talking about. No. He doesn't explain it. He doesn't tell them, well, now, hang on a minute, before you leave, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, give us your offering, your money, before you leave. But uh, he just – and they say, Jesus, hey, they, folks were offended by that, right? Offended. Yeah. Oh, big key word in church today. We don't want to offend anybody. Right. right? We'll, we'll shut down the presses if somebody in the church, you know, makes that claim of I've been offended. Oh, well, we can't do that, you know. People will leave. We're offended. Yeah. And um, Jesus says, um, oh, so you're going to leave too? Ouch. You're going to leave? In other words, there's the door. Yeah. If, if you're not willing to put in the work, right? So, and, and I remember this, uh, and this happens, I know, every every year during two-a-day football practice, some kid sweating, hot, overheats, and goes to coach and said, coach, this is too much. You're, you're a tyrant. This, this is too much. I, I can't do this. What does every football coach in America do at that point? Says, there's the door. Say, yeah, the door's right over there. Yeah, we'll see you. Matter of fact, don't want you around here. Yeah. Why? Because that mentality is infectious. Yeah. 
And your lousy attitude will impact the entire team. So there's the door. Yeah. That is very similar to what Jesus just did. True. Right? Hmm. Even though he might be carrying a lamb over his shoulder at some point, he's right. saying, you're going to leave too? Yeah. If you do, go ahead. Right. But then, of course, you love the disciples' response. It's like he stripped it all away from them. Jesus, we, we got nowhere else to go. Yeah. You have the words of life. We, we don't have anywhere else to go. And I think that's what truth sort of does to us. We throw out our excuses and our defense mechanisms and our laziness and our reasons for not doing things, right? And by the way, we can every one of us can justify any behavior. Oh, definitely. That, that we wish to, you know, display. Truth starts chipping away and you you get angry and you get frustrated and then you get exhausted and worn out and you finally come to a realization Jesus did know what is best for me. Yeah. I surrender all. You know, I think it's rare that a person surrenders all at the very beginning. Well, yeah. that's just my my opinion. I th I think I think um following Jesus is like when we say I do in a marriage. Especially you and I yeah. as guys. Females are complex. We yes. did not have any idea. You know, when I said I do, I thought it meant she's going to play golf with me and football yeah. and we're going to wrestle and, you know, watch hockey on television. I right. thought that's what it meant. Yeah. Nah. No. <laughs> I, I think following Jesus to somebody. Well, Jesus, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus, but really you're going to follow me because, you know, Jesus right. is just like I am. Yeah. He's, he's just like me. He, no, he's not. He's got something far greater that he desires for our lives that can only be attained through the truth that just cuts us to the core. And it's worth it. Yes. It's life abundant. But, you know, I was thinking about the marriage and saying I do. I the one thing I got many great uh, pieces of advice before I got married, but the best one that I have actually passed on is that when you say I do to her, you're saying I don't to all the other ones. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. On uh, the same with Jesus, too. I had a 85-year-old man a long time ago walk up to me and said, here's the greatest piece of advice that I ever learned. It dawned on me that I did not know how to love until we were married 50 years. Oh, wow. Now, at first, I heard that like that's not good news. <laughs> I was just saying, yeah, really, <laughs> that's not real good that's news. Good news. I think there's a lot of truth there. It's a journey. It's yeah. a process. I agree. So, when we read and hear tough stories from Jesus, what can we do when we say to ourselves that it's hard to hear? Like when we read something in Scripture, read a story, I'm like, okay, Jesus, that's hard to hear today. What can we do to uh, with that? Oh. I think that idea, first of all, that's a great realization that if we could just acknowledge it, oh, there you go. just yeah. say, Jesus, that's, that's, that's hard to hear. Jesus, that, that, that one's tough. I'm not sure what to do with that. I'm not sure that I have the faith or the courage, or I'm not at that point yet. I think that just a realization of it, it would, would take us a long way. The only way that we're ever going to become what, what Jesus 
what God created us to become, the only way that we're going to get there is to know, of, is to believe in the life that he's calling us to. Mm, okay. Again, the state championship, yeah. spiritual maturity, joy, peace, the ability to love others. And, and bless others and, and, and be connected to others. And, you know, living that life in the kingdom of God is available to us. There's something greater than what I have now. If there's, if, if follow, if, if being a follower of Jesus doesn't offer us a greater life, why are we following him? Right. That's true. Why are we following him? Why would I surrender, you know, my life? Why would I, why would I pick up my cross to follow him? Yeah. So there has to be this absolute belief, even though we don't sense it. We, we've got to believe Jesus. We've got to believe the coach that state championship is possible. We can do it. But it's going to take this, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And it's going to be pushing myself at times beyond what I'm comfortable with. And mm. there's a problem. We, again, and I've said this, and, and, and I have to work on this, Imola. We like comfort. Yes. I want comfort. I want organized. I want rational. I want everything in the box. I want Jesus to stay in the box. And by the way, we're going to look at some of Jesus' stories uh, this Sunday. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that he says and, 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 and what it means about God and, and what he's telling us about God and, and each other. Mm. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it is um, mind-boggling. When you when you just again stack stories on top of each other, yeah. Um, I forgot what I was talking about, but <clears throat> we have to believe in that life it, that that it's available. Yes, and so when Jesus does not make his sermons, he doesn't sugarcoat like we said earlier. So when we want a sermon that is pleasant, do we are we falling into that same category as the people that are sitting around him that day when he read Isaiah? Sure. Uh, absolutely. And and we all So it begs the question, why do why do I come to worship? And and if we if we if we're honest with ourselves, we do realize that most of the week leading up to Sunday most of what we do in life is for ourselves and what we want yeah. and what's in our best interest. And um, what do I need to work on? And there has been, for a, peer, a long period of time now, the churches have kind of, if we're not careful, we fall into this mentality of, well, we've got to help people feel better about themselves. Mm. And so, again, you know, how many songs is, I'm so excited to be here and thank God that he loves me, right? These praise songs yeah. and we repeat them and repeat them and we feel good about ourselves and, and, and sermons can become psychological and, you know, how do I, how, how do I overcome doubt and how do I raise perfect children and how can I make my marriage better and how can I be a better coworker and, uh, you know, in and of itself, there's nothing really, I guess, wrong with it. But I wonder how much that is just feeding our own cultural selfishness yeah. and desire to want to be comfortable, and and you know, to 
to have as a goal, I come to church to listen to make sure that the church is proclaiming what I already believe. Oh, wow. You know, so I'm just listening for that. Well, yeah, yeah the preacher, you know, he said, he said Jesus is the Son of God, so hey, we're good. Hey, everybody, Jesus, Son of God? Yes, okay, let's go home. Well, you know, you didn't hear what the Son of God was, just said. Right, yeah. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah, that's right. He said it. And you quoted it correctly, and you even quoted it from the correct translation. Ooh, yes. Well, no, that's not what we're talking about. So, yeah, there are multiple reasons why uh, we come to worship. But, again, Jesus just flatly was not interested in any of that. They all had their ideas of what Messiah would be and what Messiah would do when he came, and Jesus just did not meet any of that criteria. And so they they came at him. They lashed out at him, and he just wouldn't let off the accelerator. Yeah. He just, you know, you would think that maybe a, uh, a conflict management officer would say, <laughs> now, hang on a minute, Jesus, you're really pressing this crowd. Right, yeah. And, you know, those folks over there, they've been a part of this synagogue for a long time, and they're big-time givers, and you're, you're really angering them. Uh, I think Jesus would have looked at them and smiled yeah. and pressed right on. They kept on talking. They kept bed. on talking. Yeah. He's not, letting us, he's not letting us off the hook. No. He won't. Now, we can just choose to turn and walk away with yeah. the rest of them. That's up to us. But that doesn't that does not result in abundant life. Right. So why is it that we find abundant life at the end of ourselves? Again, the more I see Jesus, I just think that principle's coming out over and over. So Jesus came full of grace and truth. And so one of the things I said was um, grace is found at the end of truth. Mm. Why do I need grace? The truth is you're a mess. I'm a mess. I I have sinned and I have fallen short of the glory of God. And um, I have hurt people and I have made selfish decisions. And I just just can't seem to get my life together. That's the truth. The truth is that um, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I'm lost. Uh, That Jesus redeemed me from my sinful way of life. Right? So you got to deal with all of the truth. But the truth is, you, you and I are sinful, sinners in need of forgiveness. Yes. That's, you say, yes, that's me. You know, Jesus, I have nowhere else to go. That's when grace kicks in. Hmm. But the more I thought about it after the sermon, it's also in reverse that it is, we have to understand that there is grace in order for us to handle the truth. Oh, that's true, yeah. How many of us just can can deal with just raw, unfiltered truth without any, you know, uh, without any release at the end of it? Oh, yeah. I couldn't handle that. Right, zero. I need to know that there's going to be grace. So it maybe it's a, it's a, it's a cycle of grace and truth and grace and truth. And, um, but yeah, it, it comes toward the end of ourselves. So I, I, I love the sermon that you preached where Jesus said, uh, hey, by the way, don't think that I've come to bring peace. Well, wait a minute. I thought you were the Prince of Peace. And at right. the end, he said, now my peace I leave with you. Right. Well, when does that peace happen? Right. It, it's going to happen after the cross. Mm, yeah. Not right now. You got, you got a lot of junk you have to deal with. 
You have this sin that you have to acknowledge and, 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 and turn over and surrender and all this stuff in life that we are learning how to be unselfish, deal with our excuses and again, our laziness and our defense mechanisms and lay those down so that I can have peace. Yeah, suffer through them. Right, so it's, it's at the end. It's at the end. There is a process that, that I think we all go through. And, and I would encourage all the listeners to, to, th- to process that thought as you read Jesus and think about it, that it's at the end. It's at the end. It's at the end, not at the beginning. There is life in laying things down, right? But getting to that point, man, it's, it's tough because truth Truth is truth, yeah, and it's difficult at times yes. uh, uh, to deal with. But there's grace mm. that makes it all worthwhile. Yes, I get to start over, a fresh start, and yeah, I, I need that. The best analogy I heard was a uh, for for grace is when you get pulled over by a police officer and you're in your car just shaking because you don't know what you've done and you don't know what you're doing or how big the ticket's going to be. But he walks up and gives you a hundred dollars and says, "Get out of here." Wow, that, yeah. That's great. You're like, oh, okay, you're scared to death. But then all of a sudden, oh, I just right. profited from this ticket I was right. supposed to get. Right. You're guilty and you got blessed. Right. You got gifted. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. And so in Men's Breakfast, we were talking about this idea, which is a better motivator for people? Right. And I think we know the answer to it. Um, picturing God as the all-seeing eye that's out looking to see everything we do and to catch us when we mess up oh. and to, you know, pronounce judgment upon us and I said you did that I saw you you I did it and that's wrong and and punishment and all right so that, by the way that is one concept of God that um, you know that preachers were often guilty of preaching that kind of God to kind of keep people in line look yeah. God's gonna see you do it God knows. And boy, when he when he knows it, you, you're you're going to get the punishment for it. Right, so, there's, it, 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 what kind of motivation is that f- for people, as opposed to God is your best, is your greatest cheerleader? Yeah. Come on, you can do it. I know you can. Yeah, a- a- absolutely, you can. There, 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 there's grace involved, right? There's always there's still consequences. It doesn't it doesn't alleviate consequences in life? Right. But if I know that God is rooting for me, you know, again, back to the story of Moses toward the end of the, the journey in the wilderness and the people are thirsty and God says, okay, look, take the rod, assemble the, the community and um, speak to the rock. Water comes out. I'll give them water. God knew they were yakking. God's still a God of grace. Yeah. So just speak to the rock, scare them a little bit with the rod, right. you know, just the presence of it. Just give them, give them water. And Moses, no, he he's coming out. And you rebels, and why do we got to do this again? And he starts beating the rock. Right? So, which which tells you again our perception of God mm. is critical. But I'm saying that the reason why we're able um, to accept the truth is because we know that God is a God of mercy and grace, and yeah. God is saying, absolutely, you can. You got to deal with it, but there's grace at the end. So Paul would say, "I am what I am because of the grace of God." In in First Corinthians fifteen, he said, "That grace was not without effect. Yeah. I worked harder than all of the rest of these folks. That's Why? Right. Because of the grace, not because of the all-seeing eyeball, not because I'm afraid I'm going to hell, but because I've been given this gift." Yeah. So the truth, he got hammered with the truth by Jesus on the, you know, on the, on the road. road to, yeah, on the, on the road. He got hammered with it. But, man, he got offered grace. Yeah. 
made all the difference in the world. But again, I, I, I want to make this point. Watch how Jesus will not let... By the way, so the woman caught in adultery, right? I mean, she got caught in the act. They bring her to Jesus, oh, so and they're ready to stone her. And of course, now Jesus writes in the dirt, and we don't know what he said. But he says, um, it's, Jesus, they, they all leave. And says, anybody here to condemn you? And she looked around and said, no, no nobody here. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Mm. Well, wait a minute. Right now, Jesus, Jesus said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, he does say, now, and then go on, don't do that anymore. Right. He doesn't condone it, but he doesn't condemn. Yeah. Ah, oh, what a... What a breath of fresh air. Did she know what she what she had done was wrong? Yes. Did she deserve punishment? Yes. And Jesus said, I know I don't condemn you. Man, grace. I'll say, yeah. Grace right there in the midst of truth. So I would venture to say, I I bet she would listen to him next time he talked. Probably so. I bet so. Well, give some, I know you kind of touched on it early, but a little preview for, for this coming Sunday, because I've got uh, graduation coming up on the 23rd, so you get a week off from, from, uh, from preaching for the 23rd, I'll be having a graduation sermon that day, so okay. not this Sunday, but next Sunday you'll have All right. So we're going to look at some of Jesus' parables. I mentioned a few of them, and we're going to go back to the prodigal son, but the first time we looked at it was the prodigal son. we got to take a look at the older brother, and again, this is a parable, mm. but Jesus, his stories are um, head scratchers. Yes. <laughs> so I'm looking at several, and I'll just give you kind of a preview, and I don't know what I'm going to do with this one. But um, Jesus is talking about at the end when the Son of Man comes, and two people will be in bed, one will be taken, the other will be left, and one's on two on the roof, one will be taken, yeah. you know, one will be left. <laughs> and they say, when he gets done, they say, when? When is this going to happen? And Jesus will say, <clears throat> Um, when you see the vulture circling, you know there's a dead body. The end. Huh? <laughs> what? 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 Yeah. And they'll ask you, why are you always speaking in parables? Yeah. Those people that are always seeing, they'll never see. And those people that are listening, they'll never hear. <laughs> like, oh. Wait a minute. I thought the whole point was to understand. Right, yes. <laughs> He's telling these stories with even his audience is scratching their head. Mm. The parable of the shrewd manager, right? Look, uh, Luke chapter sixteen. Just look that one up. We're going to we're going to deal with that one. We're going to try to. Yeah. I, I honestly have no idea what Jesus is trying to teach there. That'll be fun. But he tells these stories, and and I think part of it is at least part of it is. Jesus will not allow us to box him in. Oh, yeah. That's... He's not going to allow it. Right. He loves us too much. Yeah, I'll say he loves us too much for He that. loves us too much to get comfortable with him. Yeah. It's a journey. It's an adventure. It's a lifelong, adventurous journey following Jesus where we're just hanging on for dear life quite a bit. Yeah. And it's the most exciting life we could live. Yes. It makes me think of a, a ride Sarah and I went on a long time ago. We got in Colorado. They take you on the edge of a, of a cliff and they tilt you straight down and they it's a swing so you're just hanging there 90 degrees off a cliff and then they drop you <laughs> yeah no that is you. like going with jesus right yeah. there's what i sound like because yeah. towards the end is when i got my uh my scream on is i'm pretty sure you can still hear the echo in the rockies because it was pretty loud <laughs> i was pretty frightened <laughs> no thank you uh so i want to i want to end everybody with some encouragement as i said you had on your sermon may we have the courage to listen to truth and surrender to the truth so that we may live yes i encourage everybody that this week 
Um, again, Danny, thank you so much for the sermon on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to, to continuing this on, and I hope everybody out there is encouraged as well. So if you have any questions, comments, anything, send them into hcocdigitalmedia at gmail.com, and uh, we'll get those read, and maybe we'll get uh, some answers for you. So everybody have a great week. Danny, thanks again. Absolutely. Have a wonderful week.